The Holy Gospel is the basis for today's sermon, and the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel reading today is one that is classically shared at funerals. It's one that I've preached many a funeral sermons. And maybe... Maybe it's not exactly the way that we've always treated it. Perhaps this text means something different. But this classic funeral sermon, I go to prepare a place for you. This house of my father is taken as a reference to heaven. And Jesus promised that I will come again and take you to be with myself. Refers to the the death of a believer that, that Jesus comes to bring that soul to Christ in heaven. Now, Sarah, my wife, she loves it when people visit from the north, and she prepares a place for them in our home. Our, our guest room is, is a very Florida kind of home. The colors are reminiscent of the Keys. There's photos on the wall that we've taken on our many trips to the beach. And she puts a little basket together to make them feel welcome when they come. To have Jesus do this for us, is really quite incredible to have him to picture the the room or the mansion that he has prepared for us to go to heaven to enjoy is quite extraordinary that he takes great care and plans with great intentionality and he plans on us being there we're not imposing we're not surprised guests And despite the fact that we don't even deserve to take a tour of the place, Jesus rolls out the red carpet and the party begins. But interestingly, in the context of John and this particular pericope, 
has nothing to do with heaven. At least not in the way that I've typically thought about it. It doesn't fit the context of this verse. When Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. This is occurring in the upper room. Right during the, during the Last Supper, before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and is, is praying before he's arrested and beaten and killed. In this upper room, Jesus has shared that one of you will betray me. And then he looks Peter right in the eyes and said, you will deny me. There's a lot of trouble going on in their hearts in this moment. Our culture sees the, the heart as kind of the, the seat of emotions, but in this text, the heart is the functional center of who we are. It's the command and control center. And when your heart is troubled, all of you is troubled. And it makes me think about where we are today, what troubles our hearts, our entire being. It doesn't take too much imagination. Just watch the news and hear about wars, political scandals, banks collapsing, the country facing possible default, but even closer to home, family struggles, health issues, mental health problems, identity issues. And in the midst of this troubling time, Jesus says, believe. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Not just to believe what he says, but to entrust yourself to him in complete confidence to believe in, to trust, to rely on. That Jesus, he abides in you. Trust in him. And again, when Jesus speaks these words, believe, he's not just commanding them to believe or, or urging them to believe, but in his word contains the power of God to allow that belief, to enable that belief, to spark it and start it. He tells them to believe, and by his telling, he empowers this belief. And he speaks the same to you today. In the midst of your troubled hearts, believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Rely on him. And there's this question, if this is not a, a classic funeral text, then what in the world does he mean when he says and mentions this father's house? This place where, where God lives, what is he referring to? Well, it's important to take a, a good look at, at where God resides, where he manifests himself, where he inhabits earth. And we see in the Old Testament times like Moses speaking to God in the form of the burning bush and, and God was visibly present, manifested in that burning bush. Or during the, during the, the wandering in the deserts, he was the, the pillar of smoke or cloud and, or the pillar of fire by night. He was certainly present in the tabernacle as they were wandering around and then once the kingdom was established in the promised land, he was in the temple. That was his house. Matthew records this in chapter 12 that Jesus says that there is one greater than the temple here. See, Jesus, he is the real presence of God manifested on earth. And in the context of John's gospel, Jesus 
He is the Father's house. The Jesus as this new temple theme is most explicitly seen in John chapter 2, where at the Passover, Jesus goes into the temple courtyard and symbolically ended the entire sacrificial system. He denounced the leadership and the, and the corruption that they had promoted when he said, do not make the house of my father a house of trade. And then he says, destroy the sanctuary and in three days I will build it up again. And crucified and risen from the dead, Jesus' body will be the new temple for God's people. The Jerusalem temple was on earth the house of Jesus' Father, but in a greater way, Jesus' own body has fulfilled and now takes the place of the temple. Jesus' body is the house of God, the house of the Father. And what's this talking about where Jesus goes to prepare a place He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that you may be, that I am, that where I am, you may also be. See, Jesus is about to leave them. And he knows in this upper room conversation that he will be going to the cross, a place where they cannot follow. And he will be gone from them for a short time, three days exactly. Jesus is about to leave them to the cross and his suffering and death will be the necessary preparation for them to come and have a place with God. When Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, it's not the the hotel in the sky. It's the cross. And his suffering and death is the preparation that makes the way possible. John 13 repeatedly highlights Jesus' movement towards the cross and then the empty tomb. It's a part of his journey back to the Father, and Jesus tells them he will be with them for a little while, but they'll not be able to follow where he's going. His death was anticipated, promised, but often misunderstood. That's what controls the context of our verses for today. That Jesus is going where only he can go to his glory on the cross and none of them can follow to that glory to the place where he will take off his clothes, his dignity, his majesty and then lay down his life for them. That this all will take place in a little while. But Jesus isn't going only to the cross because he will put on his clothes, put on his dignity and wear his majesty again taking his life up on the third day. So if this text is all about Jesus saying, I am going to the cross for a little while to prepare a place for you so that you may be where I am when I come back. And Jesus has risen from the dead. When where is he now? Where is God's presence on earth today? We find it in his word. We find it in the sacraments. And we find the presence of Jesus with one another. That Jesus, as he abides in you, you become his temple, his abiding place in this world. Jesus, in his resurrection, we don't have to wait for him to come back into our lives to take us to be where he is because he's with us right now. We have the power of life in Christ Right now, we have nothing to wait for, not in a temple, not in a sanctuary, 
but Jesus abides in us and he transforms us into his image as disciples who live in freedom, who live in joy and sacrifice and renewal. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We are the incarnation of Christ right now. Which begs the question, are we living like it? I had a conversation with a gentleman at lunch this week and talking about this text and he, he looked at me and he says, you know what that means? I got to get my act together. Ephesians 3.17 says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, you are the temple of Jesus. He abides in you. And the way that he does that is through faith, through the power of his word. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, this is a, a rich amount of God's word that we need in our lives. To have a ravenous appetite to read more and more of his word every day. And then Jesus says this, that we will do even greater things. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And the greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, these sound like really big shoes to fill. And before we start thinking, well, I've definitely prayed for a lot of things and asked God for a lot of things that never came to fruition. I even ask for non-selfish things, like for people to be healed, for people to be saved. And I don't see it happening. Remember the healing of the paralytic. When Jesus says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? See, there's amazing things that will be done by us is the sharing of the gospel, the, the forgiveness of sins that we share with each other, the life that is given to this community through faith as we carry his gospel into it. This great work of forgiveness and the promise of eternal life that begins now and never ends. And whatever we ask, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, if you've ever asked God for something and he didn't do it, it makes this verse seem kind of hard to understand. But it's not a genie in a lamp kind of moment. It's not God saying, you can have three wishes, ask whatever you want. It's more along the lines of God answering questions that are in accordance with his will. To be able to say, Jesus, I want to know you more confidently. His answer is yes. Jesus, please give me your strength. His answer is yes. Please give me a peace that passes all understanding. Even in the midst of chaos. And his answer is yes. Our Jesus today. He has gone and has come back again. 
and he brings us his life, his power, his glory. Yes, indeed, it's not unfair to say this is a good funeral text, but it's more than that. It's not something that we have to wait for someday. Today, Jesus abides in you. And may this bring you peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.